Hi, I'm Wyatt. And I'm Grace. And you're listening to Our Dad and your host of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore, and I'm really excited about our guest today. And these are my favorite conversations and talking to other short-term rental investors that are making a go at this game and really building their lifestyle financial freedom by investing in vacation homes, which is what we love to talk about. And so we've got Randy Wild joining us today. Randy, thanks for joining us. And we're excited to hear your story and your journey into short-term rental investing. Yeah, Sean, thanks for having me. Uh, Looking forward to it. Yeah, this is this is fun. And, and this is kind of part two of Randy and I's conversation. You guys didn't hear the first one because Randy and I recorded one and the file was corrupt. So we're going to we're going to repeat the conversation that we had a couple months ago. And, uh, you know, and, and, and even maybe get an update on some of the things that we were talking about before. So I'm excited, Randy, to, to dive into this. And uh, Randy, you're part of our, our mastermind group here, our Empire Club at Odyssey. And so we've been a part of your journey from the beginning. And so, but let's take people back and tell them your background and kind of what got you interested in short-term rental investing. And then let's go from there. All right. Sure thing. Yeah. Um, I've been in construction probably since I was 18. I'm a little over 50 right now. So I have about 30 years of construction background. And I think my first rental was when I was 20. I built a six family apartment complex kind of with my parents helping me out a little bit financially. Um, I was a carpenter back then and and really liked the idea of keeping that apartment building and then getting it paid off and then having that rental income coming in once I once I got a little bit older. Um, after having a long-term rental apartment for a year or two, I decided this is definitely not for me, the long-term rental game. Started building spec houses, uh, still in construction, started a fire and water restoration company probably when I was 25, sold that when I was about 45. Um, so basically did construction my whole life. After that, got into a little bit of consulting so I would go to work for different companies, help them with their construction needs, um, whether it be on the business side or just getting the construction project to whatever level they needed. So sometimes those were 12-month, 18-month gigs. Um, and then went on a vacation with one of our friends that got married in Destin, and it was their 10-year anniversary. Um, went with them and told my neighbor about our, our vacation. He said, you got to go check out this little town that I love. It's right next to Destin. It's called Navarre. I'd love to have a place down there once. And so started driving around down there looking and just totally fell in love with the place and had no idea, had never been to the panhandle, didn't know about how nice the beaches were and the water and all that. Really great. And uh, met with a contractor, met with a realtor, got involved um, with a property management company, kind of looked into what the area needed. And lo and behold, what the area needed was a very large uh, rental. Destin, Pensacola, they all have rentals that have over 20, 30 people that can stay in them. And Navarre didn't have that. And that's what everybody kept saying that it needed. And we were questioned it a little bit and then decided to make the plunge into short-term rentals and um, got a contractor that was a little hard because I am a contractor. So um, overseeing a general contractor and me being a contractor was a little tricky, 
but we got through that and that was our first short-term rental. So did you, with your construction background, were you always intentionally buying a lot and going to build from scratch or were you looking for existing as well and it just didn't exist? Um, at that time in that area, we were, we were kind of looking for anything and it didn't exist. And the more all the management companies told us that the area needed something large to house multi-generational families, uh, the more we agreed with them and realized the only way we were going to accomplish that was to, to build it. So there were some 20 person rentals, but there was nothing that would house 30 people. And so we ended up building a nine bed, 10 bath, 5,000 square foot rental that solely catered to the um, short term rental market. This is not a house that you would just buy. It's just not set up that way. It's completely set up for for rentals in that area. No, love it. And we talk a lot about that. One of the pros of building from scratch is that you can build it to suit essentially, right? You're building it for the purpose of a short-term rental, which means you're going to be able to maximize that guest experience, maximize the occupancy where everything, you're not just cramming people into corners of the house. Everything's very well laid out to to really accommodate a large group that is there for vacation. And so that's a really good point to make. And, and we always talk because people are always say, should I build or should I buy? Right. And there's pros and cons to both of them. And, you know, there's headaches to, to both. And one of the, one of the pros of building is you get to, de, you get to design the layout and it mm -hmm. can be very much catered to your target audience, the groups that are coming in. And so it sounds like you guys did that. How, how important was, location, how available were lots when you were looking? I know when you guys started this, it was, you know, house inventory was really, really low. It still is today. It's difficult to find it. But what, what was the availability of lots? Was it difficult to find the right place to build on? Um, lots weren't too bad. They were available. They were either beachfront across the street from the beach or just kind of, you know, a little bit further away. So we had some options. We knew we wanted to be at least an ocean view. So we settled across the street. Uh, there were some challenges with building on the beach. Also with having an in-ground pool, you can't have a pool down on the ground. It has to be elevated. Um, so we kind of did a lot of our due diligence in figuring out what worked for best, what worked best for us. And, at the end of the day, our builder actually had a lot that was available and it was big enough for the house that we wanted to put on it. So it, it worked out really good. The lot we really wanted was across the street from a public access. It would have had unobstructed views forever, but it's, I think we made an offer and the next day um, somebody else snagged it from us. So we lost that. We were a little bit bummed out. The lots were expensive at the time but they have doubled since then so so they don't seem as expensive now the beachfront yeah. lots were eight hundred thousand, which we thought was crazy and now they're two million dollars so everything yeah. is just has just gone up like crazy yeah and so so timelines and let's let's talk a little bit about timelines i know people especially those listeners that are thinking about building you know your the best laid plans in a build seem to uh to help, but they're not, they don't always come to fruition. Right. And so, um, and your background and understanding that process as intimately as you do, you're, you're, you know, you're a few steps ahead of the average person that's going to be hiring a contractor to build. But you, like you mentioned before, you said there are some challenges in that. Let's talk a little bit about that as, cause it's one of the big questions that I get all the time are, is, maybe I'll just build because there's no inventory. Inventory levels are so mm -hmm. low. People are like, well, I'll just build. And, and what are some of the things that they should be thinking about when, if, and when they do tackle a build job? 
Yeah, for short-term rentals, there are definitely pros and cons to both. An existing house that already has furniture and possibly already has bookings, you can just step right into it and go. Um, we wanted to time our build out so that we had about two or three months where we could get all the furniture in place, um, get photos done, which is really key to getting the rentals booked, um, and then be ready for the spring, summer, which uh, our places are a little seasonal, so we wanted to make sure we hit that. So we worked with the builder, we set out a schedule, we worked with the bank on a timeline for the construction loan. We knew we wanted to be done January 1. We were going to start the year before, uh, middle of December. Uh, our builder thought it was going to be about a 15-month build. We kind of went through the timeline with him and told him he can get it done in 12 months because <laughs> he doesn't have to deal with winter like we do here in St. Louis. Um, but he could work year round. So besides some rain days, they, they would be able to roll all the way through it. Um, so we put that plan together and for the most part, we stuck with it. We went maybe every three weeks, once a month, went down there met with the builder. Uh, one of the things I did that worked out very well is I hired a drone company, a photographer, and he would go by every Saturday and send me a drone video. And that proved to be very helpful in keeping the contractor motivated to get things done, but also just keep me from going down there all the time. Um, yeah, that's interesting. So how did, how did that work? Did you just, you just said, Hey, listen, I, I need this, you know, 10 minute fly around and show me what's going on. And, and you just contracted them throughout the build job or what? Cause that's a great way to do this. Like a lot of these properties as a short-term rental investor, if we're going to build, they're typically not in our backyard that you're going to be able to drive by the property, right? You know, they're, they're typically travel time and days involved. And so that's a, a very efficient way to keep a, keep your eye on your property and the build job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We just reached out to a local guy that did it and asked him what he, he thought it would be. And I think it was 30 bucks a week that we paid him to go by and do that. And that was just very valuable. It's way cheaper than us going down there 10 hours way or catching cheaper. a flight or a hotel or anything. It was it was great. And I would send them to the, to the uh, builder just to let them know we're keeping an eye on things and, and, uh, kept our relationship yeah. good. Yeah, it did. So did, how did it keep the relationship? Like it, it seems like that a builder would have some pushback, like, Oh, I'm getting micromanaged, but I would assume a good builder that's on top of things is probably like, Hey, yeah, no, I don't mind you driving by. I don't mind you checking it out. And knowing that up front, it's not like you're spying on him. You probably had that communication with him that, hey, we're going to do this just to make sure that we're, you know, so we can keep an eye on what's going on. And uh, if we have any questions, it, it allows us to ask him before you get too far into the job, right? I guess that it's that kind of communication on the front end that keeps that relationship solid and the communication, you know, where you don't feel like you're just micromanaging and looking over and peeking over your shoulder that they don't want to be looked at. Yeah, pretty much everything you do, communication is key, whether it's the management company, the contractor, a consultant, um, whatever, you you know, real estate agent, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, communication is key. And with technology today, it's so easy. Yeah, for sure. And I'm asking a lot of questions on this, on the build job, the details, because one, I know that your, your experience, your background, and even on the consulting side, consulting people through these build jobs. And, and so, and I know that these are, these are big questions for a lot of people. And so I, I appreciate you going into the details of that. Any, so timeline wise, you pushed them from 15 to 12. A lot of times we always say budget extra time than what the contractor tells you. Were you guys able to keep those timelines? Yeah, we kept them. We actually spent Christmas there that year um, with boxes and, you know, yeah. furniture still in plastic and things like that. But that was when we were 
unboxing everything, staging it. So it was kind of fun to be down there during that time and, and help out with that process. So we did a lot of legwork. Uh, my business partner is also a contractor. So both of us kind of kept an eye on this project. And then his wife was real instrumental in getting all of the furniture in place, things to hang on the wall. She did a did an amazing job of pulling it all together. That's awesome. And I think that, and, and we kind of, you know, you mentioned it, but I want to go back and highlight it is the timing, right? The launch timing of when you were going to be able to start that setup phase. You said, I'm going to give ourselves two to three months before the busy season. And a lot of people try to time it where they buy the property right during the busy season or right at the very beginning of a busy season. I said, no, it's way easier to buy it and set it up during your slow period before your busy season. Right. And so so that you're ready, because otherwise your back's already against the wall and you're just rushing and you don't have things. You're already rushing to get these things set up, even if you give yourself the two or three months. But it's you're going to leave a lot less money on the table by buying and setting up a property and finishing a, a build job during the slow season. Yeah. Right. And so and I think that that's a key because so many people think that you should buy it and set it up right at the right on the, the, the cusp of the busy season. Mm hmm. Yeah, we we did that intentionally to give us a couple extra months. And that was actually, I believe the property manager told us to do that. And mostly it was for the photos. So yeah. we had 12 months to build this thing. We had already gotten it on the VRBO. We found some pictures that we thought were going to be close of what it might look like and what we wanted it to look like. It got to be October, November, December. The house was almost done. We didn't have any bookings for the next year. We're like, what did we just do? We built this monstrosity of a place. We don't have anybody. We got the furniture done. We got the photos in and the description done. And boom, like booking, 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 right. booking, booking. And since we had it done three or four months before spring and summer, it allowed us to to capture all of those bookings. And we just had an amazing first year, so much better than we thought we could. And a lot of it was in that pre-planning. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and it's, it's really interesting. We're so, so many of us are like, well, it's good enough to put it on. It's good enough to list it. We've got ba the basic concept, the pictures on the outside and everything else. Until you get that final listing, it, people are going to be hesitant to book it, right? And and it, you guys saw that. And so it, it's a, that's another really good point is I always tell people, wait, just, just don't waste your time with photos and putting that listing together until you're ready to launch because I've seen it too many times where it's just you're going to hear crickets and you're going to waste that in, initial exposure that those OTAs are going to give you when you have a brand new listing. And then, but when you, when it is complete, all of a sudden people are like, yeah, we like it. But they're not going to book a family vacation with 30 people without seeing it. And, and even and that goes that rings true for somebody that is a couple's retreat with a one bedroom. We those are special times where we're creating those memories. We don't want to risk booking something that is sort of done or almost done, even though it's a new construction. I can see that I need to see mm -hmm. it complete. And you guys realize that in reality. Yeah, that would have been a big problem had we tried to put it a little closer and the house wouldn't have been done. I think we would have had people not not booking because they don't want to cancel their trip, just like you said. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and risk not not having it put together. Yeah, exactly, and, and end up being a cancellation. It's not it's not worth it, especially when you're dealing with those big groups. So, launched good launch, great first year. You know what? Uh, you know, and then when was that? What was the? We didn't we didn't mention the time frame for everybody um, on your launch year. Yeah, so we 
went under contract for the builder right after COVID. So that was December of 2020. It was done December of 2021. Then we had 22. Um, great year, full of bookings. I want to say, let's see, January, April, I probably found Vodacy. So we found Vodacy a little after we had this first one done. Mm-hmm. And honestly say had we found Vodacy while we were building it probably would have been a little bit different of an animal um, things may have went a little a little smoother um, furniture would have been a little bit different based on based on how you guys do things um, pictures would have been a lot different with with Brian set up with Mike everything would have been different um, so we did good we did good and then we found Vodacy and now the property is is amazing i can i can truly say there's probably 20 30% increase in revenue just on some things that we did recommendations from the Vodacy coaches that's awesome so you went a good 2022 2023 sounds like it was even a better year for you mm-hmm. both of those years um, this property specifically had the yielded the most revenue in the area so we had, awesome. we, had a, we had a great year of revenue in 2022 and we knew we were going to keep going. And then 2023 booked out and we're really booked solid for 24 already. That's awesome. I love it. And I love it when we're talking about a time where the market shifted. A lot of people in that area are saying, ah, oh, everybody's down. Everybody's, you know, getting less business. Well, everybody's fair share of business has gone down. But top properties that understand how to market and understand how to maximize these assets you guys are living proof that these markets just, there's a lot of money being spent and you can get your unfair share of that business. And it sounds like you guys are doing that, which is awesome. And, and I've seen the property, you guys, we always post the, I always say success leaves clues. You can look in the show notes. We always post our guest properties on there. So you can go check them out. I mean, check them out for a stay if you want, but also check them out for what they're doing. That is, that is, Act, that's working, right? That what what are they what are they doing that you could take from and learn from and say, okay, well, I can I can you know I can recognize that this is working and I'm going to impl- um, implement it into my properties and into my assets. And so so 2023 is looking good. 2024 is booking out really solid. Everything's going good. How are we as far as you mentioned that the lot prices went up? I'm assuming one of the pros of building is that you typically, by the time you're done, you've got some built-in equity, right? And uh, and these properties are typically going up in value and you're able to capture some of that equity by by building um, sometimes more than you can when you buy an existing. And that's another one of the pros of building. So tell us a little bit about some of the rough numbers. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, we built and as soon as we got all the photos up and we started getting bookings, we're like, Hey, if this proof, if one is good, two is going to be great. Three is going to be even better. Four or five. Let's take this thing to the next level. So right away we contracted with the same builder, um, on another lot. And we actually ended up buying three lots because we saw the lots were starting to really appreciate. So, so we captured a couple lots and then we built another house that is actually on a canal so we could have a boat slip. We're all boaters. We want to have a boat down there. Um, so we built one that was a little bit more mild. It's, it's a five bed, six bath and sleeps 18 very comfortably, but it's on a canal and the backyard pool has 24 hours of sun, not 24 hours, has all day sun and, uh, just turned out to be an incredible property too. And we leveraged the equity that we had in the first house based on the rentals and just the appreciation of the property to fund the second one. 
Um, so in, in talking numbers, I would say one of the downsides of building new construction and one of the main things you have to really take into account is the construction loan numbers, the fees that you're going to be paying up front while this thing is being built, which was another reason we wanted to go from 15 months to, to 12 months was, was to get this thing done. And, and we found a really good bank partner, um, which you guys have really good financial partners. And we had a local boutique bank here that we knew of and we had done business with in the past kind of introduced them to short-term rentals and told them told them our plan we meet with them quarterly kind of go over what's happening and they've been really really good to us um so that's a besides the management company the finance the taxes those partners are just huge go oh, they're and- critical finance partners are are absolutely critical and and it's and i love when it comes to build jobs when it comes to you know, some when you're going to do new construction, the local boutique, you know, the local banks are really great options to go start building relationships with. And like you mentioned, you guys introduced them to the short term rental world. They understood your guys's background. And now they're probably pretty excited about the asset class because of the success they've had with you guys. And, um, yeah, and then our, bank, our banker the- actually, sorry, our banker actually yeah. went down to Dolphin Island and bought a property down there and has a short term rental down there and doing very well. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's fun. And and it's exciting. And it allows you guys to continue to grow a lot of some of the misconceptions are that you have to come up with these bulk sums of money on every single property. And you guys, your strategy, Randy, and and, and even unpack it a little bit further. And I know you kind of touched on it there, but you're you basically are come up with the, the acquisition cost for, for property number one. Those acquisition costs on property number two, three, four down the line will start to come from the portfolio you're building, right? You're tapping into those other properties. So tell them how you're doing that. Yeah, as as the properties go and they start cash flowing, um, besides uh, you guys talk about it, the the rental income, you have the appreciation income. So getting your properties appraised yearly. Um, with the bank uh, or having the bank do it for you because they'll want to use their own appraisal is key. And then you get to leverage that property for your next build, be uh, an asset or or a line of credit yep. or um, if you just want to buy a lot like what we did. So so we're sitting on two more lots. We want to get another one built in, in January and get another one started and and keep moving on from there. That's awesome. And so are you, is your strategy a line of credit against the equity in, in, on the properties to continue to build, or are you actually cashing out? Um, we are cash flowing positive on both properties. And the second property that was a little smaller, we were questioning it because it took us a little bit to, we had some, uh, uh, issues with, with lumber and windows and things like that, getting those. So that ended up being like a 13 or 14 month build. We got late to the game. Uh, so we only had nine months of revenue, but it was still a break-even property, which we count that as a win for the first year um, yeah. and only nine months of revenue. So that was a break-even property. So then, you know, we, we took a break on on building. We let that thing cash flow and, and make sure it was going to do that so that the bank felt comfortable. And now we have two properties that we can leverage the the equity on. For, That's awesome. For the next two. That's awesome. And, and it's it's such an, an under or misunderstood um, strategy to be able to buy a property and then start getting 
cash flowing it, getting the equity. You don't want to over leverage these properties ever. As an investor, the worst the worst thing you want to do is put your back against the wall by over leveraging your property. If it's negative cash flow, if it doesn't have the equity to really over leverage it, that's not what we're talking about here. It's not what you want to do. But when you've got the built-in equity and you guys have significant equity in the seven-figure mark, right, on, on these properties, yeah. and mm-hmm. you've got significant equity to tap into, you've got a, a positive cash flow property that's doing very, very well, using that portfolio to continue to build and maximize is the name of the game. It's how we're able to, because I get the question all the time. It's like, well, I got property number one, but now I don't have, what do I have to do? I have to save up another couple hundred grand for another down payment and everything else. I'm like, no, you don't. You need to maximize Mm -hmm. property number one and start tapping into that. And you can really accelerate your portfolio build to be able to, you know, continue to build this out. And like you said, property number three, four, five, all of a sudden comes pretty quickly once you've got those initial assets that are starting to get maximized and build that equity. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, we took one of our properties and we actually put it up for sale. Um, the equity was so good in it that, that we thought the time was right. So we're going to, we're going to see what happens there. Yeah. And, and, and then what, and, and so tell them what the strategy is there. Cause this is something, right. You've got the times, right. You've got significant equity. You're going to most likely, I would assume parlay it into multiple properties instead of one property. Right. And so now all of a sudden we're just, we're just again, maximizing our investment dollars by being able to do that. Is that, is that right? Or are you doing something else? You're going to go buy some more boats. <laughs> no, boat, the boat uh, goes the other direction. It, it depreciates. Yeah. So yeah. no, we will definitely turn it over and do more properties and we'll do them in the same area. Um, keeping them all together is, is great because when we go down there, we can check them all out. On the other hand, anytime we hear of a storm coming, we're like, Oh, we have everything right in one everything area. Everything there. Yeah. What are we yeah. going to do? But um, so far it's been great and, and we just love it down there. I, it's a yeah. 10 hour drive for us. So it, it's a great property, but my wife really wants something in the mountains. So I think we'll look over there and I keep going through air DNA and, and looking at properties all over the place. Every time you guys post one that's for sale, I'm yeah. like, why not? Is yeah. pro- here's a property. Here's one that cash flows. Let's, 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 let's look at it. Let's do it. Let's keep, fun. let's keep going. Let's mm-hmm. keep playing the game. Right. It's really fun. And, and I, and I appreciate you sharing kind of the strategy there. One of our, um, members who you know well, Jeff Weaver and Jessica, and they've been a very, you know, instrumental part of our Vodacy family, very, very beginning stages of when I started building Vodacy. And they bought a property not too far from you in Destin and ended up selling it. It was cash flowing awesome. You know, they were making well over six figures a year, cash flow positive in their pocket net. And um, they ended up selling the property and people are like, why would you ever sell that? Right? You're you're hundred percent of your money's back, you're getting this crazy return on your investment. But they were able to cash out over seven figures and put it into three more properties. And now their cash flow positive goes from about $150,000, $200,000 a year on positive cash flow to over $300,000 a year because you're able to parlay it, right? And so um, it, it's uh, strategy-wise, and that's what's so fun about this game is there's a lot of different options. Like you, like keeping or selling the asset that you're talking about, both are good options, right? Mm-hmm. Both are yeah. both are solid, you know, solid options and decisions. And it's fun to have options. And that's what I always say. You know, it doesn't mean we're always going to quit our jobs. It doesn't mean you're going to always be selling properties. It's good to have options that are that are all good decisions. Yeah. And the the options don't you're never forced into I have to do this, which is exactly. which is great because it's cash flowing. So if you you know, we we figured if we put it up for sale and the numbers right, then we'll sell it and we'll definitely turn it over and, and we can make more cash on that cash or we can 
you know, keep making the, the income. So like you said, either way, it's a, it's a win over here. It's a win over there. We, um, we can't lose except for the hurricane. And, and even yeah. that we, we have great insurance. So I think yep. we'll be all right. That's where insurance is, comes in, right? Making sure. And, and there's a lot that goes into operating a top property, right? I mean, the, the stories of people that are struggling with the market shift and, you know, those days of just having a property in a market and making a ton of money, those days are behind us. You do have to check a number of boxes, right? Like you said, you're able to take some things that you're learning and implement them and you get this lift in the property. You continue to stay at the top of the market. You continue to, you continue to get your unfair share of business. So I don't want to make it sound like, Oh, just go buy a property, put it up and, and everything's rosy. Everything's great. Right. Those days they, they happened in COVID, yeah. right? That was having a short-term rental is like having toilet paper during COVID. I say that all the time. <laughs> Everybody made money, but those days are behind us. But when you do dial in the game and you understand the game, like you guys are doing at a high level, it's it can be a really fun game to play because you're playing to win. I always say, if you're going to play the game, play the game to win, right? And that that's uh, no that's exactly what, what you guys are doing. And I love hearing those stories. And then, like you said, you're, you've got options. You don't have to make decisions. You, you can, you can, play this game and at the, the top of a level and have all these different things that you can do with it, continuing to grow lifestyle, financial freedom, which is what we're all about. So I, I really appreciate you sharing your story with the, with us, Randy, any going back and, and like people listening, some people that are just getting into this, some people that have been in it for a while that are listening and trying to maximize what, what, what are some of the things that you would, you know, piece of advice that we haven't touched on that you want to make sure people are aware of? Um, Man, I think we touched on on a lot of stuff. Um, trying to get to that, you know, top ten percent of the market. When when we built the first house, it was so big it kind of sold itself. We we did an average job at first, an above average job, I would say, and, and we did very well. Then then we met Vodacy, we took it to the next level. But then our second house was a five bed six bath, and we were mixed in with all the other five bed six baths. Yeah. So we had to do things that stepped up our game. And again, we talked to our management company. We, we talked to people down there, you know, what does it need? What do you want? And, and they told us and we listened to them. And then we took all the advice that, that Mike and, and uh, Brian had on as coaches for you guys. And, and we made that a top property. And when our property manager, he has about 50 properties that he manages and, and he is bellyaching right now about the the market but our properties are killing it and he's like both yeah. of your properties are my are my top properties in in those fields and our five bed six bath to perform as good as it did in the first year is a, is a great testament to you guys helping us out and just listening and then communicating our property manager knows exactly what we expect we are we don't pull any punches so we told yeah. him up front you know we expect this and if it costs a little bit more to ensure that every light bulb works and that every door opens and closes and and everything is a 10 then that's what we expect and if it's not then then we'll have to find somebody else but we're we're communication is key in everything so there's there's Love never it. any there's never any doubt if everybody's everybody's talking and and documenting right and, and then and, and you guys have a a lot of credit to goes to you guys for actually like you said listening to the advice and then actually taking the actions and implementing because, mm -hmm. you know, knowing how to do something is different than actually doing it and executing it. And so you yeah. guys have done a good job of, of execution, which is why you are at the top of the market and why 
you are his top two properties. And so, you know, it's, it's really, it's really fun to watch that from the sidelines and watch you guys, you know, take the, take the knowledge and take the advice and really execute it and, and seeing it come to fruition, right. And, and really seeing the results of that execution, which is really, really fun. And, and you're, you're realizing the outcomes of that. So, Randy, we're going to wrap up today. I really appreciate your time. You guys that are listening, we know how valuable your time is, and we really appreciate you spending it with us. And so, and, and these are really fun conversations. Like I say, success leaves clues. Hopefully there's nuggets in there that you that you can implement and take and, and uh, really run with for your own properties as you start to build, as you start to grow, as you start to maximize. And so I hope that you're taking real advantage of this time and these conversations that we are able to have with some amazing short-term rental investors. And I always leave you with two challenges at the end of every episode. And that first one is, if you got value out of this, share it. If you know somebody else that would like to have this kind of advice and have the be a, be a part of these kind of conversations, share the show. And if you got more than 30 seconds, like it, review it on whatever platform you're listening on, whether you're watching it on YouTube, listening to your favorite podcast platform, those things really do help us grow the show and get the message out there of what we're trying to do of helping people walk into this short-term rental investing game with their eyes wide open is really our main goal here. And then that final challenge that I always leave you guys with, because it's the most important thing is to, for you guys to go pick that one thing you can do today to start building that life you don't want to take a vacation from. Cheers, my friends. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. Share this with other people you think need to hear about it. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Hey, Grace, is there a website? Yes! For more amazing content and expert advice, visit bodicey.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.